The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar, who follows in his train, who best can dream. Welcome to Death and Glory Podcast here in Studio K. My name is Jordan Parks, and I am joined by my co-host Peter Rasmussen. Death and Glory Podcast exists to remind Christians to love our King, die with honor, and live with hope imperishable because Christ has been raised from the dead. Before we get started, we wanted to remind you to check out Puritan.pub. It's a digital safe haven for Christians seeking a social media alternative to big tech. It was developed by a dear brother, Aaron Schaffwolf, and is a great way to connect with other believers. Open your browser and go to Puritan.pub terms for more information. Also, if you're a fan of the show, of course you are, and like to support Death and Glory, please visit our Patreon page, and you can search Patreon slash Media. We have with us today Jeff Parks. Jeff is a pastor at Cornerstone Baptist Church in Kearney, Missouri. He also lives in Kearney with his wife, Christy. Jeff teaches Bible at Northern Hills Christian Academy and is also a board member for Indigenous Church Strategies. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. Hey, Pops. Hey, buddy. So it's uh, it's good to have you here with your favorite child. Favorite son, yes. Yeah, favorite son, okay. Well, <laughs> so we, we wanted to have you on uh, today to talk about evangelizing the lost, and spe- um, especially those who are kind of older, sick, uh, maybe dying, those, those really difficult situations that many people, you know, we all find ourselves in at some point or another, um, and how we do that effectively as Christians. So we'll throw it to you. How, how do we do that effectively as Christians? Well, I... I think we have to go uh, understand what, you know, we mean by evangelism. Uh, I think evangelism, from my perspective, is communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we communicate the gospel uh, as presented in the Word of God. And I don't know if it, uh, I don't know how much it changes based on the the circumstance of the person we need to make sure we're always proclaiming the same message Christ and him crucified but I guess you know uh, as far as you know the sick uh, uh, the dying and so forth that that might uh, might open uh, more doors to share the gospel but no matter what we're doing we're, it's always the same gospel in my perspective what do you think people struggle with most when it comes to evangelizing? Fear of man. The gospel uh, is in itself uh, offensive in the sense that it is calling out humanity and their sinfulness against God. Uh, that there is no one who is good. Uh, there are none who righteous who is righteous and uh when you get down to the to the the brass tacks of things we all deserve to go to hell and mm. that's not really a popular message out there we want to feel good we want people to think highly of ourselves and in reality uh even the three of us here uh don't realize just how wicked and sinful we are in and of ourselves uh and just how you know how much sin we've committed today i'm sure we we are 
can't even comprehend that. So I think it's that, you know, we, we are confronting people uh, about their sin and there's a, a fear of, you know, not being liked, uh, the fear of losing uh, family or friends, uh, the, the fear of uh, losing power, position, prestige. So I think the fear of man is definitely one of the the, the greatest uh, problems in God's people sharing the gospel. And it might be even, uh, and I'm speaking in general terms here, uh, sometimes I wonder just how well believers in this nation really understand the gospel hmm. because they haven't been taught the the gospel. They, they haven't been taught about... Uh, uh, the heart of the gospel being justification. And and even the gospel uh, speaks also about our sanctification, our glorification. Uh, it There seems to be uh, a teaching out there that the gospel is, Jesus is just a, a great help of mine to help me to get through life. And I, I think there's some, I honestly think there are true believers that... Uh, they communicate that because that's how they've been taught. They're, you know, uh, I'm not trying to be mean here, but they're ignorant to what God's word says the gospel is. Uh, they uh, they don't hear it uh, very much in the, you know, the preaching and the teaching of the church when so many messages are focused on self-help and mm how I can be a better mom or dad or a better employee or employer or whatever. Uh, and they're, they're never, they're, they're oftentimes uh, instructed that the gospel is kind of like the beginning of Christianity. And then we get to the better things, uh, not realizing the gospel is it. <laughs> it's the foundation. There is nothing in God's word that uh, means anything apart from the gospel. The gospel ultimately is Jesus. And I, I think even true believers don't are not taught that. And I think that's, so I'd say those are probably the two of the bigger problems. Why especially does that seem difficult with family and, and those who are close to you? I think because the people who know you best, they know your sins, they know your shortcomings, you know, I'm reminded of Jesus when he, you know, he tells us over in, in, in Matthew 7, uh, verse 3 and through 5 there, uh, he, he's telling his, his kingdom citizens to remove the log out of their own eye before you remove the speck from your brothers. And uh, I think sometimes uh, within family dynamics, uh, we forget to remove the log. And when we do so, that causes uh, hostility. It, it can cause some uh, uh, disagreements. Uh, it begins to begins to look more like you know, uh, even if you have good intentions, you're being very self righteous. Uh, and I think that's why it's hard uh, to do that. Uh, the ones that we love the most are our families. It's hard to. You know, if, if we're honest with ourselves, it is very difficult to point out the, the sins uh, in others, uh, especially if we haven't dealt with our, our own sins. So 
I think that's what causes that problem. Can you give us a um, a time when you've had a kind of just a like the Lord just kicked the door down and gave you a really good opportunity to share the gospel with a with a family member or or a close friend that you really well I think. I mean, in the you know, I don't know if you're talking about just uh, an encounter or over a lifetime. Either one. Uh, I know with, you know, you and Sissy, you know, you were taught the gospel uh, and hope, you know, uh, and you came from uh, parents that were never raised in church, never were taught these things. And God, by God's grace, he slowly, uh, you know, revealed these things uh, to us and so in that respect, uh, I would say that there's been times, encounters, I can't think of any specific off the top of my mind. I know there's been times where uh, people have asked questions, and those questions naturally led into sharing the gospel. Uh, and there's been times where, you know, people have asked questions, and I failed to share the gospel out of fear or or whatever it was so but uh there have you know uh as far as you know uh, the the easy the easier times to uh, in sharing the gospel i would say that the majority if not every time is because that the lord was seeking that person and that pe- person was seeking and the lord happened to put me in that situation. Hmm. So, you know, as uh, people get closer to the end, they recognize the fact that they're going to die. I think, you know, even there are some people who up until the moment they die refuse to acknowledge that. But, um, you know, hopefully we all think of that long before we get to that moment. Do you think it's easier to speak about these, you know, eternal matters when someone is on the brink of crossing over into eternity, you know, that's a good eternal question. damnation. Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, personally, I, I, I think we are, we are in a culture that just shuts our ears to death. Uh, I, I, I don't know many people that really truly want to talk about it. I don't even know, think that many, uh, you know, uh, uh, Christians want to talk about that, especially in this nation. Because we do have, in a sense, our heaven here on earth. We've got things so easy, and you know, we've, you know, we we idolize our families, we idolize our jobs, we idolize our hobbies, and all these things. Why would I want to give them up? So, I I don't notice uh, that uh, it's easier or harder. Uh, I I I see little difference at all. You've been a pastor for 20 plus years, right? Yeah. You worked in public school for a long time, coached baseball, all those things. Was it more common 15, 20 years ago for like a fellow teacher or player coach to come up and ask you to, hey, will you pray for my sister? She's got cancer. Uh, hey, will you pray for my dad? He's He had a stroke. Do, do people still seek out? pastors for those things or if people moved on to other ways of coping with death my last even my last few years at Kearney middle school which was my last year was six years ago i had people come up and ask for prayer they yeah 
they would want uh, some counsel and so forth. So, yeah, uh, and I've been kind of out of that public uh, education, uh, like I said, for six years now. And in a, in a Christian school, you get that a lot more, obviously. Now, uh, with baseball, over time, I noticed that players became less and less receptive to the things of Christ. I actually, um, I have been coaching baseball up until this year, so I have been involved in that. And one of the things I noticed is the, oh, I don't know if hostility is quite the term, but close to it, the more of a hostility to the things of Christ Hmm. uh, among the players uh, in general, uh, snickers and, you know, kind of laughing behind your back when you would try to share with them uh, the gospel where back when I was, uh, you know, uh, teaching, you know, and and further back, the players were much more receptive. Uh, I could have a, a team Bible study and they would, they would all stay. They, uh, they would, uh, especially when we would uh, have practice on a, a good Friday, usually didn't have school but you know that's kind of the heat of the season so we try to have a morning practice and on those times we would try to have a little uh, Bible study after practice and I would just walk them through the gospel Uh, I told them you don't have to stay you know you're free to go they would all stay Hmm. Uh, and we had several Bibles little Bible studies like that uh, over a, a period of years and then but as time went on that became less and less and then uh, to the basically the last few years when you would, you know, uh, ask the guys if they'd like to do a Bible study, there, there was no response. They, hmm. they wanted nothing. So I have noticed that. Uh, where do you think these young men are turning to if they aren't turning to the truth? I think their cell phones. I think that's their life is in social media hmm. and whoever the you know, the popular voice, the talking head of the time is that's popular. I think that's who they're listening to. I'm sure a lot of the, the you know, in the baseball world, it's probably the top players who have decided to, you know, uh, take a stand on whatever particular issue and whatever that is, you know, it's, it's gospel to them because, well, this guy must know what he's talking about because he's hitting 370 with, you know, 46 home runs, so he's got to know what he's talking about. So what's wrong with, I guess maybe I wasn't going to go here, but what's wrong with pastors then? <clears throat> why why the loss of influence? Uh, well, I would say, estimating here, I don't think any of those kids the last two or three years that I coached even went to church. So in general, <clears throat> you would say that there's kind of been the shift over the last few years where, you know, I mean, like there's a lot of talk lately about cultural Christianity, stuff like that, especially mm-hmm. online. Um, but you would say that a lot of these kids kind of maybe 10 or 15 years ago were kind of growing up. It was a little more acceptable that you would go to church, maybe do a Bible study, at least be willing to sit there and listen to someone do a presentation about the gospel. But in the last five to 10 years, there's been this strong shift of being very negative that, the... that is definitely uh, plays a big part in that, uh, you know, and even visiting with some of the parents in the last few years I coached, uh, you know, they were trying, you know, I try to, you know, 
I would uh, engage them in some conversations. Where do you go to church and so forth? And they say, well, we're looking for one. You know, we tried this place. And, and you know, uh, every once in a while, the places they tried, I know that's a pretty good church. Hmm. But then they would come across and say, you know, I really didn't like that one. And probably because that church called out their worldliness. Uh, baseball has a, uh, you know, uh, youth baseball uh, definitely has a major problem of having tournaments even on Sunday mornings. And parents are, you know, uh, putting baseball, putting their children, putting their children's baseball careers uh, ahead of, of Christ. And so I think that plays a role in that. Uh, you, going back to the cultural Christianity, uh, one of the biggest issues, I think, with cr- cultural Christianity is it doesn't change the culture. <laughs> it just makes it worse. It just, and the, you just end up being hypocrites. And these kids can see through it. Uh, and so why bother? Uh, it's more, you know... Uh, you're, you, you do, you know, in their eyes, you know, these people that are going to church are doing the, committing the exact same sins that, you know, the church is telling them that they're committing. So if you're doing them, then, you know, why bother? Uh, so it's, again, it's a, unfortunately, it's a gospel-less uh, church in general uh, across this nation, I think, that is a part of this problem. Tell us some. Tell us some highlights of some instances that you've got to share the gospel with, either recently or over the years. Something, the one that any of that stick out in your mind particularly. Well, I've shared uh, the gospel with uh, a couple of baseball players who came to Christ. Uh, one of them is a deacon uh, at Cornerstone Baptist. Uh, and, uh, so that is definitely a highlight as far as, you know, baseball wise, you know, the sad thing is, uh, in sharing the gospel, I found out that a lot of people or some of the people that I've shared the gospel with, I never even realized they had come to Christ Mm. until in a conversation later. And they said, oh yeah, it was, you know, it was, you know, Mr. Parks is teaching or this and that. And they said, that's when I, you know, the Lord opened my eyes. And I, so I didn't even realize, you know, that uh, as far as students and so forth. And I would say there's a time we took a young man uh, by the name of Jason. I think you might have even been there when we took him fishing. I think so. And we were, uh, it's a windy day and we couldn't, it's hard to cast uh, our lures out and shared the gospel with him and... Uh, I hope he's still walking with the Lord. I'm not for sure. Uh, kind of lost contact with him. Uh, obviously, my two children are in the Lord. Praise be to God. So, in, if you know, if that's what you mean by highlights, those sure. would be highlights. Uh, obviously, uh, I got to share the gospel with thousands of people down at the NFL draft. That's right. Uh, that was a highlight in a sense. That, yeah. Uh, preaching the gospel now who was saved i i don't have a clue uh i do know god's word does not return void i know that uh, christ uh sheep uh hear his voice uh but i would say a lot of people that uh i've shared the gospel with i've not seen a whole lot of fruit for whatever reason 
I do know this. I know, uh, you know, we've been focusing in on evangelism this past uh, year or so. I mean, really uh, more of a laser focus. And listening to Max Stiles, who's an evangelist, I, I know he made something that, uh, that helped me a lot and has helped Cornerstone a lot, is that every time you share the gospel, it's a success. Hmm. Because you were faithful. We yeah. can't save a soul. And that's what we got to remember is we need to just be faithful, declare the gospel, and trust that God is going to do, he's going to accomplish his will. And that's, uh, you know, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Because you can beat yourself up pretty good if uh, then you begin to think about, you know, uh, is there something wrong with me? Is there something way, you know, am I communicating the gospel incorrectly when you look back and see how you are communicating, no, uh, that that's the gospel. So I, I found that uh, comforting in a sense. Uh, I think just, just that's just our, our day and age. I don't know uh, if it's God's judgment on this nation. Uh, I'm not saying people won't come to Christ, but uh, I do know I was thinking about this because I think this was the question uh, I was thinking about when you guys gave them to me, uh, I found this interesting. I've never had anybody share the gospel with me outside of a church hmm. setting, you know, like at church or a conference or outside of that. I've never had anybody share the gospel, you know, somebody that didn't know me. Sure. Come up. That's and, wild. Uh, actually, I can't recollect uh, anybody even giving me a track, hmm. a gospel track, which is kind of amazing in a nation that's supposed to have, you know, a large number of evangelical churches. Sure. Yeah. So you were, you were kind of mentioning how, uh, a lot of the people you've shared with haven't come back and said anything. Do you find that that's increasingly so, or, um, that's just kind of always been the pattern that people may hear something and well I think they... I think yeah uh, I'm not saying it's always the case uh, I would say that we probably we definitely don't see all the fruit uh, and I'm guessing we probably don't see much of the fruit just to make sure to keep us becoming too prideful <laughs> uh, and there's just those periods in church history. Uh, I know that in 2014, there was a great revival in Peru. And uh, I had a dear brother telling me uh, this. Uh, he was very familiar with Peru. He was a missionary uh, at one time in Peru. And he was talking about this great revival and then he went on to say that uh, this revival is from the the prayers and the sharing of the gospel of men and women 80 years ago, hmm. where there was no fruit. There was nothing moving, but over 80 years, God in his divine providence and according to his sovereign will brought about a, an explosion of, of conversions. And, uh, and I think that, again, I think, you know, 
if we are trusting in ourselves in our evangelism and if we are being pragmatic and we are just looking for results uh, we're going to be discouraged I believe uh, and we could fall into sin we could fall into deep pride over that but if we just keep in mind that our Lord and Savior uh, told us to to go make disciples and again we do that by proclaiming the gospel and that making disciples is you know not just seeing people saved but it's once people are saved we are instructing them uh, in the things that Christ uh, commanded us uh, and also the way I understand it in the strictest sense of of the term evangelism is communicating the gospel well, we should be communicating the gospel to the lost and we should be communicating the gospel to the saved. Uh, we need the gospel as born-again believers, uh, you know, just as much as the non-believer in the sense that that is, you know, uh, that is the, the bedrock of our faith. It's believing who Jesus is it's believing what he has done for us by his life fulfilling all God uh, the righteous requirements on our behalf by his death on the cross paying our sin debt in full and his resurrection and that he was raised unto our justification and it's believing that and, and, and keep reminding ourselves of that and then because of that that's the gospel and because of that what's true I need to remember what's true about me because of that I need to remember what's true about me because of who Jesus is and what he has done for me and is and doing. Mm. And in that, is that not the bedrock of our faith? I think it is. It's the power of God for salvation. It's the power of God. The gospel is the power of God for our justification. It's the power of God for our sanctification. And it is the power of God one day for our glorification. It's all about Jesus and who he is and what he has done and is doing and will do. Amen. What are your thoughts on deathbed conversions? Well, it happened to that guy on the cross next to Jesus. <laughs> it's true. Uh, I'm not going to... Uh, obviously, it's possible because it's recorded in Scripture. Probably not as prevalent as we would hope it would be. Definitely possible. Uh, you know, if you have somebody out there thinking that, well, I'm really enjoying this life, and yeah, I need to get right with God, and I'm just going to put it off until much later, I, I think that is a deadly mistake. And as far as family members, you know, do we tell mom, do we tell dad, do we tell Uncle Charlie uh, the gospel, because he is kind of, get kind of mean and nasty but you know maybe on his deathbed he'll he'll get saved so let's just wait till then i i that would be a, a, a horrible and tragic mistake also yeah i i believe they can they they do happen but i i i would say that probably and this is my just my own opinion obviously my own opinion would be that the very very few of them are sincere do you <clears throat> say that um I mean, earlier you mentioned that we just, in America, we don't even like to think about um, death, so I'm assuming that 
that will kind of be a longer answer, but would you say that people are more afraid of death than they used to be, or are we just more of, hey, let's just distract ourselves to death? Like, well, that's a good question. I think we do a great attention. job of distracting ourselves to death and entertaining ourselves to death and uh, trusting in science to help me mm. to live longer and longer and longer. Better living through chemistry? Yeah. I know. I guess in, in some ways I don't think there's much difference in general, but I would say I find it interesting that uh, one of, if not the leading causes of death among teens is suicide. Yeah. And if that's the case, they must not be maybe as afraid of death as they should be. Yeah, they need to be taught a proper yeah. fear of death. So I, it seems to me suicide's way too easy nowadays. And so I would say in that respect, at least among that age group, you know, uh, the younger generation, uh, I think I'd have to honestly say they're not as afraid of death as they should be. Would you say that, so does our culture even understand death then? You know what? No. That's not, obviously, scientifically, your hop, your heart stops beating, your brain stops working. No, I, I think that's, I think, again, I think the, the church in general doesn't understand death. Because I think everybody equates death, first and foremost, is your heart stops beating and your brain stops functioning, and that's death. And they have not thought through that biblically and understanding that death ultimately is being separated from God. Hmm. That's death. Jesus, God is life, and he's the giver of life. He's the only way you can have life. And because of sin and the wages of sin being death, and you're separated from God, that is a, a concept that I don't think definitely this nation doesn't understand. And again, just... And the, and the reason I'm making these comments is because I, I'm around... Christians from a, a, a kind of a wide spectrum of various churches. You know, I know your church. I know Cornerstone Ch Baptist Church. I know several churches that I'm, those are the churches I'm not talking about in what I'm talking about, you know, not understanding because I know these things are being taught. But there are a lot of, you know, uh, Christians. I think they're true believers, but they've never been taught these things uh, that, that death the consequences of sin are so catastrophic, and we can't. We it'll take. I do believe it. It'll take us uh, an eternity to understand just how catastrophic it is. But the greatest picture of how catastrophic sin is is to again look to the cross mm. and to see what Jesus did in order to bring us back into fellowship with God, to reconcile us to God, that we could have peace with God uh, by His His. Uh, uh, payment of uh, our sins so yeah i i don't our concept of death is for the most part in general a physical death and we are doing everything that we can to uh, avoid that and not only to avoid that but, but to literally to live our best life now it's interesting you mentioned that because that phrase term has even gone very popular in just the secular world. If you're scrolling through social media, oh, I'm living my best life, living my best life. I don't know if Joe Losteen ripped that off from somebody else or if it's his own thing, but it's interesting to see that that phrase and obviously that concept is 
popular well, amongst Well, it's heathens. popular, and I would equate that phrase with Romans chapter 1, verse 24, 26, and 28, and that God gave them up. Mm. And he's given them up to live their best life now. And if you're living your best life now, then eternity doesn't look so great. Right. Well, and a lot of what they claim is their best life looks pretty ugly here on earth, too. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, man, if that's your best life. So, um, I have no idea how old, how old you are, but you're older than we are. I am. So... 59. Okay. So, you're 59. You're on the, you're on the brink of that next uh, decade then, huh? So... I thought you were going to say on the brink of death. <laughs> well... <laughs> I mean, you it's, know, it's we all, all perspective. We, we don't know. I suppose. We, all, we all are, right? How do you, uh, as you've grown older, uh, how have you reflected on your life, on death, on the hope of eternal glory? Well, I, you know, I look back uh, at my life and I see how much of it I've wasted. And uh, But by God's grace, uh, I don't think I completely wasted it. Uh, I am uh, very thankful and uh, I thank God that I can look at how Jordan's raising his family. I can see my daughter Caitlin and her walk at her age and they are light years ahead of me when I was that age. Uh, But God graciously has saved me and he has you know he has uh, brought me along to where I can see even though it's a much later than I would have liked but again, God's providence, right? Uh, I, I I praise Him for, you know, above all, saving me and uh, and for you know giving me a heart for God's word and to strive for holiness and those things. So I I I, I praise Him for that. The older I get, the more sinful I see myself in and of myself. Just how selfish and self-centered self-righteous, uh, among other things, I, I truly am. Uh, but I also, under by God's grace, I'm understanding His grace more and more. And, and by His grace, I'm understanding His love for me more and more and more. And that I'm not saved because my two adult children are turning out godly. I'm not saved because I'm teaching Bible, you know, and taking these kids through books of the Bible and teaching them the doctrines of justification and redemption and sanctification, all those things. I'm not saved by any of that, that I'm saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Jesus Christ alone. As you grow older, as as I grow older, that becomes more and more apparent uh, and God's love for me becomes more and more apparent. And in that, I am able to live freer and freer and freer in Christ. doesn't matter what people think. It doesn't matter what people say. It just doesn't matter. Again, that is becoming more prevalent in my life. Hmm. I'm not saying I'm perfectly there, but I've seen that growth in me. And... One of my favorite passages in Scripture is in, in Philippians 1.20 where Paul says that Christ be honored or magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. And then he goes on and he says to live is Christ and to die is gain. 
And as he finishes on down through there and goes on into chapter two, you know, the first part of chapter two, you know, it's apparent of what it is to live Christ. It's as I'm living here on earth, I'm living for others. I'm not living for myself. Uh, I am investing my life into the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ, obviously my family, my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I am to be investing my life into the lives of, of, of the lost so that God can use me to seek and to find that which is lost. So that's living. And then I've often thought, and I've often said from the pulpit, you know, Paul goes on and says, to die is gain. That can easily just flow off our lips, right? That's easy. It's in Scripture. We can read it. We can say it out loud. Yeah, to live as Christ, die is gain. But can we honestly say that from our heart? And one of the things I've noticed, because probably for the last 20 years, uh, Philippians 1.20 on down through there have really impacted me. And I can honestly say, by God's grace, and again, being in the Word and the Holy Spirit teaching me, uh, I can honestly say I'm more and more able to say to die is gain. I know I can't say it as uh, well-intended as Paul did, but I can see that as I grow older, is you do begin to just see just how wicked this world is, uh, that this world has nothing to offer. In the big picture, it has nothing to offer. Jesus is the only hope. We are sojourners down here. And, you know, the rest of my days, whether it's, you know, today, tomorrow, or, you know, maybe 30, possibly 40 years later, I don't know, uh, probably not. But either way is that, yeah, uh, whatever days God gives me, I want to invest my life into the advancement of his kingdom for his glory by investing my life into the lives of my brothers and sisters in Christ and investing my life into the lives of my neighbors and, and those people who need to hear the gospel. And that just becomes with age more and more apparent. I wish it would have been more apparent 20 or 30 years ago. but Yeah, you say that, that um, you wish it was more apparent 20 or 30 years ago. What would you... Uh, what would your advice be to someone who's 20 or 30 years younger than you or 40 years younger than you? Well, you know, uh, I was not raised in a church. I went to Bible school when I was probably 10 or 11 and may have been saved then, may have been, not 100% sure. But in that Bible school, uh, I know something happened. Uh, I know the pastor, Bob, uh, he counseled me, but then that was it. As a nine or ten year old boy, I left Bible school and didn't know I needed to go to church. Didn't have a Bible. I didn't have a Bible till I was 19 years old. But I did have one thing that's, and this kind of makes me wonder if I might have been saved by God's grace, obviously, is I always had a prayer life. From that time on, I knew I had to pray. So I prayed. By God's grace, uh, he, he brought me out of that. Uh, by God's grace, Christy and I got married. Uh, I was determined we were going to be in church. Then when Jordan was born, then uh, I was determined uh, he would be in church. He, he will be raised in church. Uh, 
He will not go through what I went. So he was born, I think, on a Tuesday. That Sunday he was in church. <laughs> nice. Uh, and then my thinking, again, at being a very, very immature believer, was that, okay, uh, he's going to be in church, therefore he's going to be in Sunday school, even though he's not even a year old yet. And if he's going to be in Sunday school, we're going to be in Sunday school. So Christy and I started going to Sunday school. Nobody encouraged us. They, we just thought well, we probably need to. Uh, it was 30 or 40 minutes of eating donuts and talking, and then uh, a 10 or 15-minute Bible study out of the Lifeway curriculum. And over about a month, I thought, this is not quite right. So I had the audacity to ask the pastor if I could start my own Sunday <laughs> school class. Uh, I, was at, I wasn't shocked at the time. I am now. He said yes, because uh, I would never have done that as a pastor. But he did. By God's grace, I grabbed a John MacArthur commentary on Ephesians, and that's what I taught. And then through that, God just grew me and grew me and started learning things that I'd never heard before. And it wasn't probably until, you know, Jordan was probably, you know, getting close to be a teenager that, you know, I began to have a better understanding of what a, a you know, uh, uh, God's definition of a family. How do you raise a family? I was still caught up in, Christy needs to get a job, I need to get a job. That's the way we were raised. We didn't know any different. No way ever taught us anything different. But by God's grace, over time, uh, we learned that. Uh, for the most part, too late for us, but not too late to communicate these things to a younger generation. And maybe that's why God and his providence, you know, didn't allow me to go through all of that, is to be, uh, because I am, by I have a great concern for discipleship uh, as far as training up people in the word. And I think it comes from the fact that I never had that. And, you know, I've never really had a somebody just sit down and disciple. Most of my discipleship has come from a bunch of dead guys from books. So I'm able to pass these things on. So what my encouragement to those people is, you know, by God's grace, you've got men and women in your life that's encouraging you to be in the Word, to study the Word, to offering to disciple you. Take it. Take it and, and praise God for the grace that He is extending to you so that you won't have to, you know, go through all the messes that somebody like me had to go through. You mentioned faithfulness to share the gospel, and that's a success just in sharing. And it's amazing that some guy, Pastor Bob, who is, I'm assuming, is he even alive anymore? No, I don't think so. You know, he was faithful to do a mm -hmm. VBS for some kids in small town, nothing America. Yeah. And someone was saved from that. And not just that, but the gospel has yeah. spread from there. And not just down to me and my sister, but also to your dad, mm -hmm. my grandpa, yeah. and grandma. And just how it's amazing how one little act of faithfulness can change 
generations of families yep. down the line. Yeah. And God is good for that. And then I just look at the people in our lives uh, and that the impact God is making through us uh, in those lives. You know, we've been to Mississippi. We've made an right. impact down there. If you remember our encounter with the uh, state highway patrolman in Kansas, <laughs> we were handing out tracks uh, at a rest area. and They were going to arrest me. Yeah. And anyway... Two or three months later, this lady, uh, it's a track that I'd written. Uh, she calls me from Texas and says, hey, we got this track when we were driving through Kansas. We want to know, can we make copies of this? I said, you make as many copies. So I have no idea how many people's that, you know, the Lord is used to reach that. So, yeah, you're right. It's, it's we are simply to sow seed. Uh and sow it wherever we go. Go and make disciples. And sow that seed and trust that God, he's the one that's going to bring forth the growth. Paul planted, Paul was watered. Neither one of them brings forth the growth. That's always up to God. And I think we need to remember that in our evangelism. Last question. Um, when an unbeliever um, comes to you, a friend, a uh, family, an old high school buddy, when they come and tell you, hey, I've, I just lost my dad, I lost my wife, lost my best friend, and they're looking for counsel, where do you start with that? I mean, obviously, every situation is different and how well you know them, but where do you where do you go from there? I have been able to preach three funerals of family where deceased person was not a believer. In each case, when it was, you know, doing a little counseling and then doing the actual preaching, I always tried to get the focus on them and not their lost soul. Nothing we can do. Uh, we're not Catholic. Can I say that? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> but, this is not a Catholic-friendly show, I'm sure. We, we did cover the martyrs, so yeah. we've offended that all was clear. of our... <laughs> Catholic friends already. Uh, so, yeah, I try, you know, I think you say if if they have passed, you know, I know you're going to miss them. Uh, I'm sure they were a joy in your life. Remember the good times you had with them. But then I try to take it right back. You know, let's talk about you and begin to, and, and, I, and I tell them, and I try to be careful because this is a delicate time. And I've never had it blow up in my face yet, but I've always told them that, you know what, I can guarantee you that you're the one you just lost wants you to hear this message. Hmm. There's no doubt in my mind it's, it's as true as true can be. Because it is. Uh, it's biblical. And then I try to direct them to, you know, this is going to happen to you one day. It's appointed for man to die once. And then judgment. Uh, it could be today. It could be tomorrow. It may be 50 years from now. No one knows but God. And he does. You know, are you ready? So I I try to, you know, get their attention off that lost one and try to bring it to them. Uh, if the lost one's still alive, then, yeah, I, you know, 
definitely want to share the gospel with them. But I, in those three instances, I've, that's never been the case with me. So, <clears throat> You got anything else you want to wrap it up? Yeah, I thought I'd just uh, read this quote from uh, this guy named Spurgeon. Kind of never heard of him. Yeah. We shall die. There is no discharge in this war. We shall die. <clears throat> Let us not sit down like cowards and weep tears bitter with despair. We sorrow not as those who are without hope. Let us view our departure in the soft and mellow light that is shed upon it by the words, Thou shalt bring me to death and to the house appointed for all living. Very good. Pops, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. So, we hope uh, you all were encouraged by our conversation. Pray that it would fuel your desire to obey Christ's command, go make disciples of all nations. Uh, just remember, you've got family, friends, co-workers all out there who need to hear the gospel. So, brothers and sisters who are listening, go out and do that. Be faithful in the little things, and uh, the Lord will the Lord will bless that. So, we'll see you next time. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day, the soul of man never dies. Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights. Where all is peace and joy and love, where the soul of man never dies. Roses growing there for me where the soul of man never dies. And I will spend eternity where the soul of man never dies. Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights. Where all is peace and joy and love Where the soul of man never dies